Imagine if your power-mad politicians liked the COVID lockdown so much they wanted to continue them indefinitely. Well, in 2024, this is going to be trialled in Oxfordshire in Britain. Oxfordshire County Council have passed climate lockdown trials to begin in 2024. Oxfordshire County Council have approved plans to lock residents into one of six zones to save the planet from global warming. The latest stage in the 15-minute city agenda is to place electronic gates on the key roads in and out of the city, confining residents to their own neighbourhoods. Under the new scheme, if residents want to leave their zone, they will need permission from the council who gets to decide who is worthy of freedom and who isn't. Under the new scheme, residents will be allowed to leave their zone a maximum of 100 days per year. But in order to even gain this, every, every resident will have to register their car details with the council first, obviously, who will then track their movements via smart cameras around the city. Well, well, well. Communism will make the weather better. Remember that. <laughs> so Oxfordshire County Council, which is run by Labour, the Lib Dems and the Green Party, secretly decided to divide up the city of Oxford into six 15-minute districts back into 2021, soon after they were elected to office. None of the councillors declared their intention of imprisoning local residents in their manifestos, of course, preferring to make vague claims about how they will improve the environment instead. Every resident will be required to register their car with the County Council who will then monitor how many times they leave their district via number plate recognition cameras. And don't even think you can beat the system. If you're a two-car household, two cars will be counted as one, meaning you will have to divide up the journeys between two cars. 50 journeys each, or three cars, 33 journeys each, and so on. Absolute madness. The same story is published in the Oxford Mail, and, and that said, uh, traffic filters will divide the city into six 15-minute neighbourhoods, agrees Highways Councillor. Roadblocks stopping most motorists from driving through Oxford City Centre will divide the city into six 15-minute neighbourhoods, a county council travel chief has said, and he insisted the controversial plan would go ahead whether people liked it or not. Duncan Enright, Oxfordshire County Council's cabinet member for travel and development strategy, explained the author authorities' traffic filter proposals in an interview in the Sunday Times. He said the filters would turn Oxford into a 15-minute city, like we said, with local services within small walking radius. People can drive freely around their own neighbourhood and can apply for a permit, a permit to drive through the filters and into other neighbourhoods for up to 100 days per year.
this equates to an average of two days per week. <sighs> Oxfordshire is the home of the University of Oxford, one of Britain's premier learning institutions. Communist states like the Soviet Union and, well, the previous Soviet Union um, and China seem to love movement restrictions and internal passports. Britain has been edging closer to naked communism for at least half a century. So I guess it was inevitable that an attempt would be made at some point to introduce Chinese style movement restrictions on the British people. The climate claims are just an excuse, an attempt to deflect criticism of the authoritarianism. So is the University of Oxford up in arms? Uh, Oxford academics, are, are they outraged? Nope, none of them. Not one single utterance of public outrage from university academics. This is baffling because for almost, almost a thousand years, the Oxford um the University of Oxford stood as a beacon of intellectual freedom. A number of leading Oxford intellectuals in the past were hanged or otherwise persecuted over the centuries because of their resistance towards authoritarianism. So it seems incredibly sad that the inheritors of that proud tradition seem so willing to turn their backs on those freedoms their predecessors sometimes laid down their lives to defend. I mean, whatever next? Hasn't the world been through enough these last three years? These plans follow the narrative of the World Economic Forum and its partners, along with the unelected NGOs and their billionaire club, pushing their new world order agenda on the world. World leaders keep banging on about this new world order, a one world government. But time after time, our leaders' plans for the future seem almost cruel and evil. Benjamin Netanyahu has just admitted that he used the Israeli people as lab rats in the Pfizer experimental vaccine study and that their DNA is now in a database that his government can use in whatever agenda they desire. Are the Israeli people that trusting of their governments? Or were they forced into it? I think you know the answer to that one. Example, so you'll see, because I don't want to bore you with... Uh... Detailed, detailed plans, I, 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 but they are detailed in my mind. Um, we came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert Borla, Pfizer, and I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh, the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records and a little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with the, uh, Meningitis. What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it? You know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the the lab for Pfizer, and that's how we did it. We got it out, and we gave the information to the world, not only been published in medical magazines and so on. Uh, that's a database we have. I intend to bring on that base database of medical, personal medical records for entire population 
a genetic database, genomes, okay? Give me a saliva, a sample, volunteer. But I'm sure most people would do it. Maybe we'll pay them. Now we have a genetic record on a medical record of a robust population. It's got, you have to have diversified populations. We have people from 100 lands. This is a very powerful engine. Now, now let uh, pharma companies, let medical companies, let them run algorithms on this database, okay? I'm telling you right away that I'll give preference for a few years to Israeli firms, but you can create, and then to the world, but you can create, uh, you know, a biotechnological industry that is un unheard of right now, unheard of, unimagined even. Uh, and these are just the examples. So we can become a lot, stave off Iran, become a light onto the nations in uh, groundbreaking. Now that was the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. Are people really that blind to what's going on? Have people changed in the last three years that much? I think no one has really been changed over the last few years. Individuals' true natures have simply been revealed. We now see people for who they really are. It's people's lives that have now changed with the lockdowns, of course, their jobs, and the fear that's now been carried by many. Fear of a virus, fear of nuclear war, fear of drowning, it seems, from when the oceans swallow us up from all this climate change, shall be told. All this bestowed upon us by the New World Order, a name given to them by themselves. So who or what is the New World Order? The New World Order is a social engineering project aimed at reshaping human civilization on this planet in its every aspect to suit the selfish interests of a small group of billionaires obsessed by greed for power and profit, but also, and no less so, obsessed by their fear of violent, hungry and deprived masses ransacking and destroying their properties and eager to display how superior they are to the 99.99% of their fellow human beings and their ability to beat both nature, the universe and divine consciousness at the eternal game of creation. The New World Order idea grew out of John D. Rockefeller's business idea hatched already around the year 1900 to take on healthcare and make a global monopoly of medical science, just as he had already created a virtual global monopoly on the petroleum business. Rockefeller's brilliant but sneaky self-serving initiative took the guise of a non-profit institution in order to escape taxes and at the same time gain respect, if not popularity, instead of the anger and hate his ruthless business methods had earned him up until then. And a better way of taking control, uh, and what better way of taking control of medical research, education and practice, all under the guise of generously donating fortunes for the benefit of the masses and of science, while tailoring it all to his own strictly for profit business model which has resulted in Big Pharma's secret mantra, every cured patient is a lost customer, becoming a fundamental principle of modern Western school medicine. It does not offer any cures, only long life treatments by patented and highly priced 
synthetic pharmaceutical drugs and surgery with a long list of potentially fatal side effects that need additional drugs. By creating the non-profit Rockefeller Foundation in 1913, to apparently to alleviate human suffering worldwide, his oil billions became exempt from taxation and could be used to discreetly control almost anything he wanted to take over through outright purchases or bribes or through donations with specific conditions or through influencing boards of directors and other decision makers. Scientists, research and publications were also bought and politicians were funded and made to change legislations to favour Rockefeller business interests. The Rockefeller family controls Chase Manhattan Bank and the First National City Bank. Now Chase Manhattan is the third largest banking establishment in the world and according to Wikipedia, by far the most influential. This means they also own a major chunk of the Federal Reserve, the privately owned US Central Bank, created through a coup in Congress on December the 23rd, 1913, when the majority of congressmen and senators had already left for their Christmas holiday. To a great extent, therefore, Rockefeller interests control global finance, such as interest rates and the printing of fiat dollars, uh, fiat whatever your currency is, which is counterfeit money on a massive scale, by the way. The Federal Reserve, therefore, has the power to cause stock market booms and busts, as well as financial crises leading to recessions and depressions at will. They have used that power for, you know, several times over and are deep into it right now as, are, as I'm talking to you. The Rockefeller Social Engineering Project was first documented in 1910 with the Flexner Report three years before the creation of the Rockefeller Foundation. It was about reforming and controlling medical education in the US and Canada. Realising that their plan would need support from public opinion to become successful, they began to focus on influencing and shaping the thoughts and opinions of the general population. On the one hand, they targeted the education system in general, from preschool or kindergarten all the way through to university. The way to get women to abandon their traditional role as first and foremost mothers, housewives and homemakers was first to change people's perception of value and happiness. Traditional values favoured nature, family bonds, motherhood and cooperation in agricultural communities. In pre-Rockefeller society, most male uh, full-time income earners could normally support a whole family with often many children. Now. Such an earner may not have had the privilege of working only 40 hours a week, nor would the family have enjoyed all sorts of technical wonders, gadgets or games and cars. Neither were they able to buy new fashionable clothes four times a year or travel abroad on holidays. So in order to shape children's minds as early as possible into accepting Rockefeller's industrial world model and help create an expanded source of both workers and customers, for the new industries of the elite, the wealthy elite. It was necessary from the Rockefeller point of view to make 
women want to compete with men in the workplace and earn as much money as men. That's why they launched the feminist movement. Now, the means to achieve this was to take control of news media and also to use entertainment and games, including Hollywood movies, to reshape people's perception of what is important in life, all in subtle, indirect ways over time, so that very few people have been aware of the programming of mind control that they have been exposed to. Women leaving their homes to work for industry was a mortal blow to the closely knit family structure that was the traditional basis of society. We now take for granted that women should have the liberty to choose what they want to do with their lives. The problem with that is due to the social programming they would now feel guilty or less worth if they decide they want to dedicate themselves to children, home and family. We should not underestimate the importance of society of women's traditional role as educators of their children during the crucial first seven years of life and no less so as wise influences of their husbands, and not least as guardians of the wisdom and experiences of previous generations passed down from mothers and grandmothers to their children during childhood. An invaluable source of knowledge and above all wisdom, now largely lost in favour of preschooling or Kindergarten, kindergarten schooling and modern media's commercial propaganda of political indoctrination. The value system of, of our society is built on, was then slowly changed from patriot, emotional, moral, spiritual and communal to focusing on maximum money and power through individual competition in a global setting. Even so, the newly created materialists are expected to obey authority, not question what they are taught, not think for themselves. The Rockefeller educational plan never intended them to be anything other than reliable and easily manageable cogs in the wheels of the global wealthy elites, industries and political power structures. Never mind hypnotic repetitions of the mantras democracy and equality increasingly meaningless. David Rockefeller wrote this in his autobiography. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subjected to the lights of publicity during those years. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practiced in past centuries. The Rockefeller and Gates families have been close allies for several generations and the Carnegie, Mellon and Ford foundations have also cooperated closely with the Rockefeller projects. Among the various fundaments of the New World Order is the ability to control access to both energy and food. 
Without energy, the entire industrial and financial structure grinds to a halt. And without food, the population becomes easy to control. Henry Kissinger, one of the staunchest propagators of the New World Order project and close collaborator with the Rockefellers, has famously remarked that who controls oil, then uh, synonymous with energy, controls the governments of the world, and who controls the food supply, controls the people. I think it was also Kissinger who coined the term useless eaters, referring to the broad masses that will no longer be required as workforce and servants for the elites when robots, computers and AI will do all productive work more cheaply and more reliably than humans. Who should therefore be eliminated by one means or another before starving masses become a threat to the elite? Nice bloke, Henry Kissinger, isn't he? If we look closely, we'll find that the growth of the world population has slowed down in the last century for several reasons. If we look even closer, we shall find that it has slowed down much more in the economically developed countries than in the so-called developing or previously underdeveloped countries, which is easily explained by people in developed countries choosing to have fewer children, which in turn is due to more education, increased awareness, more choices on how to spend their increased income, but also to less infant mortality and less need to depend on their children in old age. Looking closer still, we find culling of population already active, even if we cannot know for sure how much of it has been done specifically with that intention. The principal means by which it has been happening are one more or less constant warfare estimated to have killed around 100 million people since the start of the First World War. Two, Rockefeller's medicines, drugs, surgery and vaccinations have been estimated to have killed at least 50 million people since World War One, and the vast majority of them in the last 40 years. And three, industrial produced food, which is causing metabolic illness, such as cancer, diabetes, stroke and heart attack, is deemed to have caused incalculable millions of premature deaths throughout the last century. Population control is not a new thing and culling the population is no conspiracy theory. But to cull a population does indeed seem evil. Even the word cull is disturbing to me. But maybe we should use that word to change our very governments and replace every single one of them. Well, that's it for today, I'm afraid. So I shall bid you a happy new year to everyone. Thanks for listening. And thanks for being with me on this journey in this last year, 2022. Let's see what 2023 brings. So until next time, toodle-doo.